You're listening to the Future Tech Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies such as artificial intelligence, stem cells, 3D printing, gene editing, Bitcoin, blockchain, the microbiome, quantum computing, virtual reality, and exploring space are much closer than you might think. In fact, many early versions of these technologies are in play right now, and the companies that are using these technologies are the focus of this podcast. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a thorny medical problem. Remember, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoyed the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and tell your friends about it. Thank you. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech and Future Tech Health Podcast. I have Cecilia Duquette, a Technology Safety Educator, Education Services Director at Wireless Education. We're going to be talking about EMFs. So, uh, Cecilia, thanks for coming. How are you doing? I'm doing terrific. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, just uh, briefly, what are EMFs and uh, what you know, how is it important to our health? Electromagnetic fields are what we're speaking of today, and we're speaking of them in the context of wireless technology. So all of the Earth and our own bodies have a natural electromagnetic field, um, and they work pretty much in harmony. But when we began to introduce digital technology in particular, then we started layering a lot more electromagnetic fields into our environment. And the peer-reviewed published scientific literature is now indicating that it can be very, very harmful to all biological beings, both human and plant forms. So um, it's wonderful to have this opportunity to begin educating your listeners. Well, we're surrounded by... uh you know, electrical devices and computers. So is there any way to take refuge from these things? Or, you know, first, what are the effects? What are the peer-reviewed effects? What are people saying it does? Yeah, the peer-reviewed science is telling us that this is impacting us on a cellular level in many, many different ways. There are some excellent resources out there that folks can look to. Um, If you just want to crash course, you can go to wirelesseducation.org. That's a nonprofit that we founded out of Europe where we've distilled the science, the risks, and what other countries are already doing because we're kind of behind the eight ball here. And then it kicks out a tip sheet of medically recommended practices for safer technology use. So when you look at the peer-reviewed published science, we have a body of science that's over 25,000 studies strong. And when we finally took action to protect our citizens from lead, we had a body of science about 10,000 studies strong. So um, we don't hear too much about the science in today's mainstream media, and there is good reason for that. Harvard put out a study in 2015 called Captured Agency, how the FCC or the Federal Communications Commission is dominated by the industries it presumably regulates. So in Captured Agency, Harvard teaches us that uh, this is sort of like big tobacco all over again. So when you peel back and you actually get to the peer-reviewed published independent science, we are finding that these electromagnetic fields from man-made radiation uh, are linked in the scientific literature to child and adult cancers, 
to infertility, to DNA damage, to neurotoxicity, to genotoxicity, and to infertility for some of the long-term considerations. In the short term, a lot of people are feeling symptoms today that they would never even guess could be caused by their exposures to this microwave radiation or radio frequency radiation that's putting out all these EMFs. So for example, the classic symptoms of microwave sickness include insomnia, headaches, nosebleeds, nausea, dizziness, anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation, brain fog, fatigue, memory issues, cognitive impairment, and more. And a lot of people may have one or more of these symptoms, and they simply don't even know to connect the dots to say, wow, you know, years ago, we sort of heard something about cell phones maybe causing cancer. But nobody would even guess that in their own devices, in the legal fine print, it says right there to keep this device at a distance from your body, or you may exceed the FCC limits for public radiation exposure. And those limits were never safety tested. And they're from the 1990s before we had this whole electrosmog that we've now kind of immersed ourselves in. So what are some, uh, I mean, people have cell phones with them constantly. So maybe starting with that, with, uh, with smartphones and maybe AirPods and things like that. Yeah. Do you know so, anyone that's tested the radiation levels? And, yeah. You know, and fact, with, uh, there's a doctor in, Ross in France who has begun to do just that. So when the FCC set up their guidelines, they put a spacer between the head that they were, the mannequin head they were testing it on and the actual device. And so they put this spacer in there, which created a little bit of distance. In France, they have something now called phone gate. And in the phone gate research, it's showing that when you put that cell phone up to your head, like most folks use it, you are exceeding even the FCC guidelines by three to four times. So again, those FCC guidelines were never safety tested. They went off of a theory that you have to have heat to have any kind of harm. So what they did is they took this mannequin, we'll call him Sam, it stands for Standard Anthropomorphic Mannequin. And what they did is they put gel inside Sam's head, a water-based gel, and then they hooked it up to a cell phone and a probe. And they said, how much heat does it take from this one device to raise the temperature of the gel inside Sam's head? And so that's all they did. And Sam, by the way, is modeled after a 220 pound man, six foot two in the 90th percentile of military fitness. So there has never been any testing done on actual biological beings, let alone children and fetuses, the elderly, and anybody with an existing health condition, which we now know through the science, those are especially vulnerable subpopulations. And it's not good for you or I either. Um, so we are in it pretty deep right now. And there, you know, the message, of course, is not no technology, it's safe technology. And in order to do that, we need to start shifting the conversation away from 5G, which is going to put a cell tower antenna inside our neighborhoods, every two to 12 houses, right where we live and sleep, not 300 feet up in the air in an industrial park, but literally right outside our homes. 
And so if that is allowed to happen, and it's already happening in many communities, you can wake up tomorrow with a cell tower in your front yard or your backyard. And uh, the scientific literature and the science community that has done these studies is just, they're just beside themselves. And they've already put forth um, appeals to the United Nations, to the World Health Organization, and all the member states of the United Nations saying, we need to stop this and we need to protect public health above corporate profits. Um, and I don't know if you heard in the news recently, but Belgium and Geneva and parts of Rome and other cities in Europe have already put a halt to 5G to say we do not consent hmm. to being a human experiment. So there is a lot of pushback happening, but our industry here in the United States drives so much of this. And we simply don't get that information as it's happening. So um, we would do well to get educated. And then we would do really well to start educating those around us. And today we're very, very fortunate to have some terrific resources to do that. As I mentioned, if folks want to come up to speed quickly, you can just go out to wirelesseducation.org and take a quick course that will give you the nuts and bolts of what you need to know. It'll also kick out a tip sheet at the end that you can print and then, you know, walk around and go, oh, wow, I never thought about that cordless baby monitor sitting there emitting radiation at our baby. I never thought about the decked cordless phone. Um, which, by the way, pulses radiation 24-7 here in the U.S., but in Europe, they have an eco-mode decked cordless phone that only transmits radiation when a call is in play. So there are many avenues that we can go to get safe technology, but our industry has to be coming up with solutions with us to do that. And before they'll do that, we need to raise our voices and say, no, it is not acceptable to put a cell tower inside our neighborhood. Um, and like in my town, I don't have um, telephone poles anymore. I don't have street lights. Everything's buried. So where are they going to put those antennas in my neighborhood? And you have to think, you know, 5G is not going to fly unless they put them everywhere because that's how we're going to run autonomous vehicles. That's how we're going to have smart cities and so forth. So if I don't have poles in my neighborhood, what I'm hearing they're going to do, and I understand they're already up in Washington, D.C. right now trying to get legislation pushed through so that they can actually solicit residents and entice them to put a small cell antenna right on their property, on their roof or in their yard, so that it will throw signal out to those around them in the neighborhood. And it will sound really good to people because they'll come in and say, hey, if you allow us to put this, you know, it's just a small cell antenna you let us put that on your house, then you will then be able to get great signal, right? And who knows, maybe they'll even give them an, a monetary kickback too, like they do with our municipalities. Somebody not knowing the biological effects might say, well, that's really cool. I love technology. Go ahead. You can put that on my roof. Or in the UK, they're starting to put them underneath manhole covers. So people really need to get educated on this. And there is a an award-winning grassroots environmental education group out of New York. Patty Wood founded that, and she received an award from the EPA on other environmental projects she's worked on over the years. And so what um, the folks at Grassroots Environmental Education have done is they've put up a couple of new projects that I would suggest folks go out there and check out. Uh, one of them is called Telecom Power Grab. 
and it has a wonderful toolkit on it that will teach you what this issue is. It's got some uh, very concise fact sheets that you can use. It gives you language and tips for how to go in and start this conversation with your town leaders, because most of our municipal leaders have no idea that they are having biological risk when they agree to approve permits for this small cell technology. Um, And it's not all just about the health. This is a bad idea for our communities on many fronts. One, it's not sustainable. Wireless is pretty crummy technology. If we're honest with ourselves, we will acknowledge that we get a far better signal when we hardwire through an Ethernet cable. So the industry should be bringing fiber optics not just down the road for a backbone, but take that fiber optics and bring it directly to the premises. They already taxed us on our uh, internet bills years ago to bring technology to the premises. And then somewhere along the line, they stopped short and brought in the backbone, but then they started putting up all these wireless antennas. So it's not healthy. It's not sustainable. And the signal is so much better when you're hardwired. The signal is so much more reliable when you're hardwired. And if we want to talk about the green economy, the science is showing that wireless infrastructure uses about 10 times more energy than using hardwired technology. Absolutely. Yeah, I was going to say that. I thought that would be the argument for uh, for going wireless is to not dig up the street and put in hardwired stuff. Are you saying it's the opposite? Yeah, it is. Because when you start putting stuff up on poles, now you have susceptibility to everything else that happens in the environment. You look at the fires out in California, right? Those poles went down. If those poles had been buried, they might not have lost communication, right? You look at Hurricane Maria and all the people who lost power for months and months and months. That shouldn't even be happening with today's telecom. Other countries are really further ahead of us. We should be doing safe technology. And when you start putting cell towers up in front of people's homes, we have real estate studies that have been done that show that that drops property values, which in turn drops tax revenue for the town. So even though the industry keeps pushing it like all Wi-Fi all the time is the way to go, it's really a bad deal for ourselves and for our community. So, and again, the message is not no technology, it's safe technology, but we've got to stop just lapping up the industry's bidding because they make it sound so good and take a step backwards and do our independent research. Don't get caught up on industry spin. Don't get your information from money-based journals or magazines like Fortune or Forbes or any of those, because they will give you assurances that this is the best thing coming down the pike. What you have to do is get to the peer-reviewed, non-industry-funded science. And so what got me on my feet, so I used to help run our local education foundation in my town, and we kept hearing that our kids were going to need all this equipment for the 21st century classroom. And our budgets had already been cut to the bones. So I, along with other well-intended parents, jumped in and we started doing fundraising to get things like wireless infrastructure and iPads and Chromebooks and you know smart boards and minis and Apple TVs and what we thought we were doing to support our children the right way. And then I have a girlfriend who's an electrical engineer and at book group one night, she said, you know, I'm reading this book called Zapped and it's indicating that there could be biological risks 
from wireless technology. And I, you know, I made a mental note of it, but then I saw something else in writing inferring the same thing. So I sort of jumped in. I'm a tech writer by trade. So I've, you know, done research over the years. And so if you do a cursory search and say, is Wi-Fi safe? You will find studies that say, we did these studies and it showed no harm. Well, I didn't know it at the time, but in the scientific world, no harm never equates to safe. And then when you look to see where these studies came from, they're by and large industry-funded studies done under conditions that would deliberately show no evidence of harm. But when you get past that and you actually start reading the peer-reviewed, published, independent science, I started looking at the infertility studies, and they have taken male human sperm. They've exposed it to a laptop with the antennas turned on, and it slowed the motility of the sperm. It caused far fewer sperm to be viable, and it changed the DNA of the sperm, which is the roadmap to grow a proper human. And it did it in four hours of exposure. Now, if you were to go, I know, right? So that was my... That was my wake-up call. Um, I never in a million years imagined I would be sitting here with you doing a podcast on technology safety, but that's what led me down this path because I had just bought our daughter a laptop for Christmas that year, and of course, where is she using it but right on top of her reproductive organs? So, yeah, so, um, but for folks who are listening, anybody who has an iPhone with them right now, I would suggest that you take it out and go into settings. Um, Jake, uh, Richard, do you actually use an iPhone? I use an Android. Okay. Well, the same kind of fine print comes with all of our devices. There's a website called Show the Fine Print, and you can go out there, and a lot of them Mm -hmm. are listed there. But for the folks who have the iPhone, you can find it really easily. So go into settings, and then remember the acronym GAL, like this GAL on the podcast today taught us what this is. Once you're in settings, scroll down just a little ways and hit general. That's the G. Up at the top, you hit about. That's the A. And then you scroll all the way down to legal. It's a second from the bottom. So general about legal. And then at the bottom of legal, you see it right there. It says RF exposure or radio frequency radiation or microwave radiation, which the industry politely calls energy in that fine print disclaimer. And in that fine print, it tells us two really important things. One, keep this device at a distance from your body, or you may exceed the FCC limits for public radiation exposure. And two, use a hands-free option because by simply holding that device in active mode, you're very likely getting radiation from five or six separate antennas inside that one device. There's a, yeah, there's a cell antenna, a data antenna, a Bluetooth antenna, a locator antenna, a Wi-Fi antenna, and by now a public hotspot because oftentimes they're using us as their network. And we don't need that. You know, if you have to make a call or you're doing a text or something, turn every other antenna off and reduce your your exposure greatly just by turning off those other antennas. But what a lot of people do who understand what the science is telling us is they will keep their phones in airplane mode as a default. And then people who have to maybe work with their phones will put a timer on and have it beep at them every half hour or so. 
and then they bring it back out into active mode away from their body. And then they let it upload, download for a minute, and then they put it right back into airplane mode. And then they pick up the phone in airplane mode, look at their texts, look at their emails, compose responses in airplane mode, and then set it away from the body and go into active mode to quickly upload, download, and then turn it off again or go back into airplane mode. So there are little hacks that we can use to use technology, but use it safely. So those are those are tips for when you're on the go. But when you're just stationary in your home or in your office or in your schools, you should very seriously consider hardwiring your technology. And what that simply means, and it's not rocket science, is on the back of your modem or router, you've got an Ethernet jack. Plug an Ethernet cable back into it and then run it up to your devices. And I mentioned my daughter's laptop and that first one that she had, had an Ethernet jack right in it. So we just ran the Ethernet cable to the laptop. Then we went into the settings and we found all the antennas and we turned every one of them off. And so then uh, she was in high school at the time and she was doing homework for several hours a night with her friends using her cell phone to text back and forth. And I'm thinking, well, that can't be good. So I did more research and I figured out that you can actually hardwire many of our cell phones. Uh, to access the internet. You would still need to have a cell antenna on to use the um, cell phone component or forward it off to a landline. So uh, my daughter has an iPhone and I figured out that you can get this adapter for like $30 or so. It's called an RJ45 Lightning to Ethernet LAN adapter. And so I brought one home for my daughter and I handed it to her and I said, okay, you know, let's do a little experiment. You know, she's 15. She was rolling her eyes at me and I said, come on, let's just see what happens. So she plugs it in. She goes into her settings and she turns off all the antennas. And then I said, okay, now do something. And she went, oh my gosh, it's so much faster. Right. And in my mind, I'm going, yeah, it's not only faster, it's more reliable, it's safer, your data is more secure, your privacy is more secure. Um, And then after a minute, she said, so if I'm running all my signal through the cable and the adapter and I've turned off all the antennas, does that mean that it's not eating into my data plan? And I said, that's right. And that's what helped a teenager to come around on this, because if she goes over budget, we make her pay out of pocket. Right. So that was helpful for my daughter to learn how to do that. But, you know, once you figure out that there is no safe level of microwave radiation identified in the scientific literature, then you can start just one by one noticing what you've got around you. That's the first step is notice. Second is to start saying, okay, how can I keep technology but not absorb all these risks? So again, that little course at wirelesseducation.org will help you to understand that. It'll give you a tip sheet. And then, you know, have, have all the adults and the older children in your lives, take that little course, because if you go out there and start talking about this, they're going to look at you like you have three heads. Everybody is so reliant, if if not physiologically dependent or addicted um, to their technology. So it's a hard conversation to have, but we've provided the tools. So take that little course, have everybody level set with the facts first before you go out of your way to try and convince people because they're not going to want to hear it. But once they get educated, yeah, then you guys can just sit down at the kitchen table and say, 
well, this is something, isn't it? And then say, okay, given what we know from the science, what do you think might be the first step we'll do? Maybe we'll all decide we're never going to stick this thing back on our bodies again. Because if you go out and look at something like the American Cancer Society, they're already reporting a doubling and quadrupling of colon and rectal cancers, especially among young adults and adults who have been carrying them on their bodies for a long time. We're seeing breast cancers for women and men because women are sticking them in their bras. Guys are sticking them in their shirt pockets or their suit blazer. Yeah. So, you know, once you know, it's like, well, such common sense, right? Um, So maybe you don't leave it on your body. Maybe you start creating distance. Maybe you decide eventually you're going to hardwire everything that you own where you have control over it. And maybe the first thing you're going to do tonight is to do a sweep of your house and turn off every emitting antenna that's hiding in your house. So I say hiding because I hardwired my whole house. And then um, one day my daughter was home from college and needed to turn on the Wi-Fi because she had to download something and print something out wirelessly. So I said, okay, just make sure you turn it off right as soon as you're done. And she did. And I was sitting here the next work day and I I just, I felt like something was off because I've never felt good under fluorescent lights. So I think my body, my cells give me little warnings that, you know, you're in an unhealthy environment. So I could feel a little something. So I pull out a radio frequency detection meter that I have and I turn it on and it goes right into the red zone. And I'm like, well, what is it? And I move over by my printer, which is hardwired to my PC And it's got a little icon on the front that lights up when the Wi-Fi is on, but it wasn't lit up. And I'm going, well, why is this thing going off the charts then? So I go online, I pull up the manual for my printer, and it turns out there are two antennas inside that printer, but only one of them ignites the little light on the front of my printer. So all I had to do was go into settings and go off, off, save, and then I measured again, and the radiation was gone. So... We have to just start learning how to look into our settings and see what we've been given with our technology. You know, my husband went out and bought a new TV and I came home and saw the cardboard box after the poor guy, after he had already mounted it into our armoire and it had a Wi-Fi logo on the box. And I said, sweetie, can we hardwire that? And he said, oh my gosh, I didn't even think to ask. So we checked it out and we could not. So it went back in the box. We took it back down to Walmart and we got another one that had an ethernet jack in it. And through the controls, we could turn off the wireless settings. So it's not that hard to do. I think the hardest thing is to get our mind around it. Um, But like I said, there are great resources that I would like to share. If you go out to Americans for Responsible Technology, there is this uh, award-winning grassroots environmental education group who has put up this project that I mentioned. And at Americans for Responsible Technology, they are starting to organize nationally. So you can look in there and see if there are already groups in your area. Perhaps you might like to link up with other people who are trying to make positive changes in your community. They have a second website called Telecom Power Grab, and it has a really good toolkit on it that has some very succinct resources on there that tell you what actually goes on in the lobbying world. And if you want to talk to your legislators and stuff, um, here are some tips for how you can be successful at that. It also has a 5G fact sheet put out by the Environmental Health Trust. 
that outlines what the science is, what the industry is doing, and why we should rethink the way we're bringing technology into our communities. Um, And it also has information on how you can reach out to your friends and neighbors and do this in a positive, constructive way instead of fear-mongering, because nobody wants to know this is really happening, but it is. And if you come in fear-based and freaked out, they're going to shut down. So I like the way grassroots environmental education operates because they're very fact-based and they're very professional. And they'll just give you simply the tools that you need to learn about this and then to help others around you learn about it. So together, you can start raising this conversation. Because if you just go in as one person, that was my hardest lesson learned here in Ashland, Massachusetts, is I thought when I found all this science showing that children are especially vulnerable, I thought I would raise my hand and they would jump up and say, oh my gosh, we're going to fix this today. But I got back crickets, literally silence. And so what I discovered is that this issue comes so far out of left field because the industry has only sold us on the benefits, but without any of the risk disclosed, um, that that they didn't know what to do with it, right? Um, But eventually, when Ashland Public Schools read that legal fine print, they realized they had legal risk exposure because they've been giving these devices to the children and the staff with no safety information. So Ashland Public Schools here in Massachusetts became the first in the United States to have a sign hanging in all of our classrooms that says, turn off the Wi-Fi when not in use, turn off the devices or put them in airplane mode when not in use, and never ever use an active device on your body. And even if a device is in airplane mode, you still probably shouldn't use it on your body because just the regular electric and magnetic field is stronger than our own body's EMF. And that can cause some issues as well, as well as heat coming off the devices. So we became the first in the nation. But boy, I'll tell you, if I had a do-over, I would have educated all my friends and parents first, and then as a group gone in and started this discussion. And that was back in 2012. And we have so much more peer-reviewed published science today, even than when we had back then. And we're very fortunate. A quick nope. question. How do you feel? And does your husband feel you, your daughter? Do you feel any different once you've hardwired everything in the house? Yeah, actually, my daughter was getting some pretty bad headaches and nosebleeds. And once we hardwired, those went way down. Everybody sleeps pretty well these days. Um, when I pick up a cell phone sometimes in active mode, my pinky finger starts to tingle. So that's another one of the symptoms is uh, I met a man here in a town next door who figured out what was going on because he carried his cell phone in his pocket and his leg, the nerves in his leg started going all sorts of jiggity. And he wound up doing research and finding out that it was actually that cell phone radiation that was causing his leg to, you know, go all funny. Um, So some people feel the heat when they put it up to their head. Some people don't feel right after they've had the cell phone. Some people get skin rashes because we have um, cells that act like little antennas in our skin and that can cause a skin rash or a tingling or a heating or hives. Um, so, yeah, a lot of people, I think um, for my mom, for example, when she was 92, I went into her little apartment and in her bedroom, she had a decked cordless phone base station as well as the, the router was right there. Um, and so I taught her how to remediate those. And the next time I talked to her, she said, you know, that night you left, 
I slept for 10 hours that night. And I said, what do you normally do? And she said, I don't. I lie there, have a hard time falling asleep. I wake up all night long. By the time morning comes, I'm so loopy that I have to perch on the edge of my bed to get my wits about me before I trust myself to get up and go. And I said, wow. I said, well, now now how are you doing? And she said, I've been sleeping through the night every night ever since you got that stuff out of there. And I went, awesome. So she's now 95. She still sleeps through and she still just gets up and goes every morning. And for my brother, his adult kids kept giving him all these, you know, new gadgets. They're all working and have a paycheck now and they're pretty proud of themselves. So they want to help their dad out and they're giving him all this technology. Well, he was a voracious reader. And so he learned how to download books on his e-reader and he would read for hours at night. So I went into his home and I helped him to remediate. And then I met him for breakfast the next day. And he said, you know what? That constant headache I have had over my eyebrow, I don't have it this morning. And he said, now that I think about it, that started when I started using my e-reader. Because you can oh, wow. download, yeah, you can download the books. Once you've downloaded them, preferably through a hardwired connection, But once they're downloaded, just turn off the radio frequency. It's on your device. Anything on your device, you don't need to be sending data packets through the air, right? So once you location data, Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, all that stuff. Yeah, all of it. Just turn it all off, you know, kind of take back your device instead of just having it be out there for everything to connect to. Um, And then you have safe technology, right? But we just need to learn to use it wisely. Um, but the okay. other the other resource that Grassroots Environmental Education has is called 5G Crisis. And um, they these folks typically are not alarmists. They did something called the Baby Safe Project, which is for parents and expecting parents. And it's with Dr. Hugh Taylor, who runs the OBGYN program for Yale Medical School. It's a beautiful website. It's got a three-minute video. I would strongly urge anybody who has or wants to have children to go out to the Baby Safe Project and see that. So that's the nature of what they do. And now they've got this webpage, a project called 5G Crisis. And they're asking people to sign up directly because they're sending out a newsletter every Tuesday that actually has an action item in it, something you can feel empowered to do to try and help be part of the solution on this. And on May 15th, they organized rallies all over the country. And I was um, so honored to speak at a rally at Cape Cod here in Massachusetts. And it was very peaceful. You know, people had signs that they held up. I spoke, an environmental medicine doctor spoke because she's treating patients who are already ill from all these environmental toxins, including EMS. And it really helped to raise awareness. People driving down the street were honking and waving because I think intuitively we kind of sense that all this technology can't be good for us, but we haven't been given enough information. So they're organizing another rally for July 27th. It's on a Saturday. And so folks can just go on their website and they've got a map. You can look for people around your area in your state and maybe join those efforts and do something constructive to bring safe technology, hardwired fiber optics to the premises. That's the solution. And we need to act fast because Elon Musk and others are already getting permissions to hang these radio frequency satellites from the sky so they can put their signals all over the world 
which, you know, it always usually comes back to the dollar, which will allow the financial industry transactions to fly even faster, right? So that's kind of what's behind those satellites, but we do not want those hanging out above our heads, nor do we want small cell antennas being placed outside of our homes. So those are ways that people can get educated, they can get engaged. And I wanted to mention two other resources. One, there's an excellent film now that anybody can get. It's called Generation Zapped. Have you seen that one yet, Richard? No, I haven't, but Generation Zapped, okay. Where yeah. can you see it? Generation Zapped, if you go out to generationzapped.com or if you go out to iTunes or wherever you get your downloads from, um, Amazon, I think uh, even Walmart has it now on DVD, or you can just do a download. But Generation Zapped won Best Documentary at the DC Independent Film Festival. It won Best Documentary at the Women's Independent Film Festival. And it was selected as an official film in the United Nations Film Festival. So it is a wonderful way, without fear-mongering, to sit down and learn about this issue, right? Um, It's 74 minutes long, and you will hear directly from world-leading scientists and doctors and public health experts and advocates and people who have become ill from this microwave radiation. And it's really well done. I've been asked to co-host a number of screenings throughout Massachusetts at public libraries or in people's homes. We even did a screening at the Massachusetts State House because we lead the nation this session with 19 bills to address microwave radiation, man-made radiation, and public health. And there are bills all over uh, that are starting to come up. There's an excellent one in New Hampshire to address the health impacts and the environmental impacts of 5G. Uh, That has already passed their House and Senate, and it's on the way to the governor's office. There's another really good bill out of Oregon um, with a Senator Anderson, I believe it is. And that, too, has passed the House and the Senate, and it's on the way to the governor's office. So, um, we even showed Generation Zapped at a conference that I was honored to help co-host a technology panel last summer. It was the Health and Buildings Roundtable Conference. And down at the NIH, we got permission from the producer, and she let us run it on a continuous loop down throughout the two days of this conference. So it's a great way to learn Generation Zapped. And then I also wanted to share with people, because I have a hunch, some people are going to think, oh, oh, maybe I'm actually feeling some of these symptoms. And they're going to go to their doctor and start talking about it. Mm, that's true. Yeah. So unless their doctor has been trained in environmental medicine or functional medicine, they may not know about wireless radiation. I just went to my 98-year-old uh, mother-in-law's doctor's appointment this week. And when it was over, I asked if I could speak with her for a moment to talk about EMS. And she said, well, yeah, you know, it's not really proven. And I said, it is actually proven. On November 1st, the U.S. National Toxicology Program, which is the world premier toxics researcher, on November 1st, they put out their $30 million study that's been going on for two decades. They went in expecting to prove cell phones were safe, and instead they found clear evidence of DNA damage and cancer, and clear evidence is the highest public warning they can give. That's the highest category of findings. So when our own government even finally says clear evidence of cancer and DNA damage, then we should all be getting trained on this. Um, And so right on the heels of the National Toxicology Program study, Italy at the Ramazzini Institute, 
produced another really big study that corroborated what we found here in the U.S. So we don't need more science. What we need is a public education campaign, and we need to train our doctors and we need to train our engineers so that we can build safe technology and treat patients who are already symptomatic. So um, I was really so grateful to be asked to help plan the first U.S. EMF conference for healthcare providers. And that will take place. Yeah, it's going to be out in Santa Cruz, California on September 6th through 8th. And we're flying in the world, many of the world leading experts on microwave radiation, scientists who have done the research, doctors who are already treating patients who have protocols in place. So we can now train our doctors, our nurses, our first responders, our psychiatrists, our psychologists, our um, social workers, our energy healers. We have this conference and we are so grateful that all these experts are coming together to finally do uh, credentialed. So these are four continuing medical education credits to come in and get trained at this conference out in California. So what I would recommend people do is go out to emfconference.com and you'll see all the information there. And please share that with your healthcare providers because our healthcare providers are frustrated today because the protocols they were trained in are not always able to help their patients. So once they learn to address these environmental toxins, then there's a lot more they can do for the people in their care. So, um, so yeah, we have Very good. great resources. Okay. Well, yeah, we've come to the end of the time and I, I really appreciate it. I can see that you're passionate about this and this is super important. Um, we've given all the resources kind of in the context, but uh do you wish that people would be able to contact you at all, or is it better they go to the resources? That's the uh, the best way that for them to find out more in closing. Yeah, they can get me through wirelesseducation.org. If they send a message through there, it'll come through to us. Um, but yeah, we're here to help. We're we're wanting to educate. So, you know, we we have that little course already built. We can train an entire school in a half an hour. We can train an entire workforce in a half an hour. And you will be well enough educated with a tip sheet to know what to do. And then, you know, go online. If people want to go into my personal research repository, for those who like to do the deep dive, if you just put in my name, uh, C.C. Doucette, C-E-C-E-D-O-U-C-E-T-T-E, and then type in understanding EMFs, that will take you to my personal research repository. There's no bells or whistles, but I have categorized like cancers, DNA damage, or the science, infertility, um, Wi-Fi in schools, impact on children, legal issues. The legal issues are huge because they put those disclaimers in there. And when they come into our communities, Lloyds of London, Swiss RE, and others have already recognized radio frequency as a leading risk, and they are not giving insurance for this. So when our towns think, okay, great, we're going to get money for putting these antennas up in the public access way, they may not realize that maybe they need to legally screen their contracts with the telecom company because I would be willing to bet that they're placing the legal liability on our towns if anything goes wrong. So there's a lot Very of... Well, we'll, we'll see, see. I'm sorry to, uh, to interrupt you, but we do, you know, we're kind of out of time, but let me close and uh, I really appreciate you coming. So thanks for being on the podcast. You betcha and have a safe tech day. You're listening to the Future Tech Podcast with Richard Jacobs. 
Future technologies such as artificial intelligence, stem cells, 3D printing, gene editing, Bitcoin, blockchain, the microbiome, quantum computing, virtual reality, and exploring space are much closer than you might think. In fact, many early versions of these technologies are in play right now, and the companies that are using these technologies are the focus of this podcast. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a thorny medical problem. Remember, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoyed the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and tell your friends about it. Thank you.